listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on this four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. You can get your own copy of the Mystical City of God, the four volumes from Tan Books, and when you use the code PODCAST15 at checkout, you'll save 15% off. And if you'd like to discuss today's reading with others who are following along and with me, you can join the Mystical City of God in your podcast group and share your thoughts and reflections. Today is day 65, and we are reading from Book 2, Chapter 10, Paragraphs 563 to 570. 563. The virtues of piety and veneration Her Majesty exercised in proportion as she knew how to estimate better her obligation toward her parents and their heroic sanctity. The same was true in regard to her relations. For instance, she procured special graces for John the Baptist and his mother, for Holy Elizabeth and some others in the apostolate. Certainly, if her fatherland had not been made unworthy of favor by the ingratitude and hard-heartedness of its inhabitants, she would have made it the most fortunate country on earth. Nevertheless, and as far as the Most High permitted, she conferred upon it great benefits and favors, both spiritual and material, in reverence toward the priests. She was admirable. For she alone knew and could set proper value on the dignity of the anointed of the Lord. She has taught us all of this in the matter, and also how to honor the patriarchs, prophets, and saints, as well as the temporal masters and those in authority. She omitted no act pertaining to these virtues, being solicitous according to time and opportunity to instruct others in the exercise of them, especially the first faithful in the establishment of the evangelical church. There, obeying not any more than verbal commands of her most holy son, or of her husband, but submitting to her son's substitutes, she became an example to the world of a new kind of obedience. For in those times, not she owed obedience to any creature, but the whole earth in a special manner, owed obedience to her, since she was staying upon it as queen and mistress, for the very purpose of governing it. 564. There are other virtues, which can also be classed under the head of justice, for they dispose us to yield to others that which we owe them on account of some moral obligation, founded upon an honest and just title. These virtues are gratitude or thankfulness, truth or veracity, vindication, liberality, friendship or affability. By gratitude we create a certain equality of ourselves with those from whom we have received benefits, giving them thanks in return. According to the nature of the benefits and the kindness with which they were bestowed, which, after all, is the most valuable part of the benefit, the grateful also take into account the position and dignity of the benefactor. Gratitude bears in mind all these elements and can be manifested in different ways. Veracity inclines us to be truthful in all of our intercourse, as is proper in human life and conversation, avoiding all lying, which is never allowed deceitful simulation, hypocrisy, boastfulness, and irony. These vices are all opposed to truth, and though it is possible and even advisable to minimize when we are speaking of our own excellence or virtue, in order not to offend by boasting, yet it is not right to do so by telling a falsehood, imputing vice to ourselves untruthfully. Vindication is a virtue, which teaches us to recompense or make up for damage done by ourselves, or by the neighbor, satisfying for it by some punishment. Among mortals, the practice of this virtue is difficult, for they are so much moved by immoderate anger and dislike of their brethren, 
and so tardy in charity and justice. This vindication of the particular general well-being is no inopportune virtue. Christ our Lord made use of this virtue when he expelled from the temple those who desecrated it by their irreverence. Elias and Eliseus drew down fire from heaven in order to chastise some sins. And in the Proverbs it is said, He that spareth the rod hateth his son. Proverbs 13.24 Liberality or generosity serves to distribute in a reasonable manner money or other goods without falling into the vices of prodigality or niggardliness. Friendship or affability consists in conversing and acting in a decent manner toward all, without quarreling or flattery, which are the vices opposed to friendship. 565. None of these virtues, nor any others, which might be related to justice, were wanting to the Queen of Heaven. Of all these, she had the habit and practiced them as occasion offered. Moreover, as the teacher and mistress of all sanctity, she instructed and enlightened many souls how they were to exercise and practice them with the greatest perfection. The virtues of gratitude toward God she exercised by acts of religion and worship, as we have already described, for this is the best way to show our gratitude toward him, and as the dignity of the most pure Mary and her concomitant sanctity was exalted above all created understanding, this eminent mistress gave a return of gratitude proportionate to his benefits within the measure possible to a creature. The same holds true in regard to her piety toward her parents and her country, as mentioned above. To her fellow men, this most humble princess returned thanks for each favor, as if she deserved no consideration from anyone. And although all favors were due to her injustice, she nevertheless gave thanks for them with gracious affability. She alone knew and practiced this virtue to such an extent as to return thanks for injuries and offenses as if they were great benefits, for in her incomparable humility she never recognized anything as an injury and considered herself under obligation for what really were such. However, as she never forgot any benefit, she also never ceased in her gratitude. 566. About the truthfulness of Mary, our Lady. Little need be said, since she, who was so superior to the demon, the father of lies and deceit, could not tolerate even the shadow of that despicable vice. The standard by which the virtue of truthfulness is to be measured in our queen is her dove-like charity and simplicity, which excluded all duplicity or deceit in her intercourse with creatures. And how could the guilt of deceit be found in the mouth of that lady who with one word of truest humility, falling from her lips, drew down to her womb that one who is the essential truth and holiness? In regard to the exercise of the virtue called vindication, the Most Holy Mary likewise was proficient not only instructing others as a teacher during the time of the first beginning of the evangelical church, but zealously advancing the honor of the Most High, and trying to convert many sinners through fraternal correction, as was the case in regard to Judas many times in commanding the creatures, which were obedient to her wishes, to punish some of the sinners in order that they might be converted and be saved from the eternal punishment due to their sins. Although on these occasions she was most sweet and kind in her punishments, Yet she did not remit them whenever necessary to secure an effective cleansing from sin. Most of all, however, did she exercise retribution toward the demon in order to free the human race from his slavery. 567. 
The sovereign queen practiced also the most exalted liberality and friendliness. Her generosity in giving and distributing was on a scale befitting the empress of all creation and one who knows the proper value of all invisible, invisible things. This lady never possessed anything of her own that she did not consider just as much the property of her neighbor as hers than she did ever deny anything to anybody, not even wanting till they paid the price of asking for it, whenever she could be beforehand in giving. The poverty and miseries which she alleviated, the benefits which she bestowed, the mercies which flowed from her, even as regards only temporal matters, could not be recounted in an immense volume. Her amiable friendliness toward all creatures was so singular and admirable that if she had not concealed it with rare prudence, she would have drawn to herself all the world entranced by her most sweet intercourse, her mildness and kindness. Though tempered by divine seriousness and wisdom, displayed in her intercourse the marks of superhuman excellence, the Most High himself regulated this perfection in her, allowing at times some of the signs of the sacrament of the king to show themselves but taking care that the veil should fall immediately and again conceal the mystery beneath earthly labors, thus forestalling the applause of men. All their honors were far below that which she deserved, and men would never be able to attain, and would fall either below or exceed the correct measure of honor due to the one who was at the same time a creature and the mother of God. This was reserved for the time, when as children of the church, men should be enlightened by the Catholic faith. 568. For the adequate and perfect exercise of this great virtue of justice, the doctors point out another part, or aid to it, which they call epikaya, which guides us in some affairs that are above the common and ordinary rules and laws. For not all affairs with their varying circumstances can be covered by the ordinary laws, and therefore it is necessary to proceed on certain occasions by the light of a superior and extraordinary reasoning. This part of justice and sovereign queen practiced on many occasions during her life, both before and especially after the ascension of her only begotten, in order to regulate the affairs of the primitive church. As I will say in its place, she often made use of epikaya, as required by the interests of the Most High, instruction vouchsafed by the Queen of Heaven. 569. In this extensive virtue of justice, my daughter, although thou hast been taught much of its value, thou still art ignorant of the greater part of it on account of the condition in this state of mortality. And therefore also this thy account of its insufficient for full understanding of its excellence. Nevertheless, thou hast in a copious summary to direct thy intercourse with creatures and worship of the Most High. In regard to this latter, I remind thee, my dearest, that the supreme majesty of the omnipotent is highly indignant at the offenses of mortals, who forget the veneration, adoration, and reverence due to him. If some of them do render it, it is coarse, inattentive, and discourteous, that they do not merit reward but chastisement. They revere and adore profoundly the princes and magnates of the earth, they ask favors and seek to obtain them with the utmost diligence. They are effusive in their thanks when they succeed protesting their lifelong gratitude. But the Supreme Lord who gives them being life and activity, who preserves and sustains them, who has redeemed them and raised them to the dignity of sons, who wishes to confer upon them his own glory, who is in himself the infinite and the highest good, him the highest majesty, they forget. 
because they cannot see him with their corporeal eyes. As if not all the good came from him, they return at the highest merely a sluggish remembrance and a hasty thanksgiving. I will not even mention at present how much those offend the most just ruler of the universe who wickedly break through and overturn all the order of justice toward their neighbor, perverting the whole natural order and wishing to their brothers what they would not wish for themselves. 570. Abhor, my daughter, such execrable conduct, and as far as thy forces will allow, make up by thy works for this want of acknowledgment in the service of the Most High. And as by the state of life thou art consecrated to the divine worship, let that be thy principal occupation, and delight, striving to imitate the angelic spirits in their ceaseless fear and worship of the Lord. Preserve reverence for holy things, including also the ornaments and sacred vessels used in divine service. During divine office, prayer, and sacrifice, see that thou remain on thy knees, implore with faith, and receive his favors with humble thanksgiving. The same consideration thou shouldst show also to all men, even if they offend thee. To all be kind, affable, meek, simple, and truthful, without deceit or double-dealing, without detraction or ill-will, without rash judgment of thy neighbor. And in order that thou mayest fulfill all justice, revive the memory of it, constantly, and desire to do to thy neighbor that which thou wishest done to thyself. Especially remember how my most holy Son and I, in imitation of him, acted toward all men. This concludes our reading today as we've been reading on day 65 from chapter 10, paragraphs 563 to 570 of book 2 of volume 1 of the Mystical City of God. Today, as we continue our reading about justice, it dealt a lot with others and our justice due to another person. And one of the ways in which this was brought out was through the notion of generosity, of giving support and aid to others, especially the poor and the less fortunate. There was a word that kind of caught me off guard as I was reading it, and it was called niggardliness. And so I thought, well, what does that word mean? And according to the dictionary, it means reluctant to give or spend, stingy, miserly, meanly or ungenerously small or scanty. So we don't want to be niggardly towards other people. We want to be generous. I think for us to become more generous, we need to realize that everything we have in our life comes to us from God. The job that I have and where I make my money, where I am able to provide for myself and my family, well, the excess, well, maybe I'm able to support someone who is in need, someone who is poor that I'm able to feed the hungry or clothe the naked or give drink to the thirsty. Once we realize that we are a part of a community, a worldwide community, and that what I have I can give to help another, well, that's generosity. And that's us taking that step in serving Christ in our brothers and sisters. In the instruction from the Blessed Mother, she did indicate that some people do not give God the justice that he is due. I think sometimes it's easy for us to forget about God's providence. But I think that there are simple things we can do in our life. At the end of our day, offering a prayer of thanks to God for the entire day. Well, that's justice. Lord, out of your love, you gave me this day. And now I thank you for the blessings that have come my way. That's returning justice, giving God a moment of our day saying, I know that you govern the world in my life, and I am grateful 
for all that you have done for me. We heard this, as if not all good come from him, they return at the highest merely a sluggish remembrance and a hasty thanksgiving. This is one of my hobby horses, but it's to make a prayerful thanksgiving after Holy Communion. I wrote a book on this called Meditations After Holy Communion, available from Sophia Institute Press. And in that book, it's really what I wanted to do was to help people to pray after they receive the Lord in Holy Communion, to have a conversation with him, to give thanks for his presence in their life. And so if we make a thanksgiving and we don't make it hastily, well, that's going to be pleasing to God. That's going to give God justice in what we do. We will be giving God what he is owed In the final paragraph of the instruction of Mary, she encouraged Mary of Agreda at the divine office to kneel there and to offer her prayers. Well, we can kneel by our bedside. We can sit in a place where we pray and simply pour out our heart to God. And in doing so, it will be a just action. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm grateful that you joined me today. I hope that you'll join me again tomorrow. May God bless you and Mary pray for you.